Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. would you like to be better at the hard conversations, create accountability, and inspire action on your most important work? Well, those are some of the topics we're going to be talking about today on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Welcome. I'm your host, Chad Gordon, and today we're joined by Peter Bregman, author of the book, Leading with Emotional Courage. Peter, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Chad, it's nice to be here. It's great to have you here, and and, and what's interesting um, in doing this podcast, we have the opportunity to see so many different ideas and so many um, unique takes on on self leadership and self you know just growth internally. And when you see emotional courage, that may not resonate with so many people because it seems like one of those touchy feely things. But it's so vitally important for you as a leader, isn't it? Emotional courage. Yeah, you know, it's very much the key that unlocks everything else we're able to do. So if you think about, let's just take this example, think about a hard conversation that you haven't had, right? A conversation you know you should have, but you're procrastinating on. And and let's say you've developed all the knowledge and skill to have that conversation. So that's not getting in your way. And the question is, why why isn't it happening? Why aren't you following through on something that you know is important to you? And, and you know you what you want to say, right? So you know that's not it. You have the skill we've established to be able to say it. You uh, have time and opportunity. So why haven't you had that conversation? And and I'm uh, what I've discovered is it's because of this emotional courage thing is there's something you don't want to feel. So if you have that hard conversation with someone, you might get disconnected from them. You might experience conflict. You might They might come back at you in anger. They might just get passive aggressive on you. Uh, they might get defensive and accuse you, and then you would have to defend yourself. And those are all feelings that are very unpleasant, and we don't want to experience them. And in order to not experience them, we end up not following through on something that's important to us. And this comes to the definition of emotional courage, which is your willingness to feel everything. So if you're willing to feel that anger and conflict and disconnection and shame and defensiveness and passive aggressiveness and all of that, maybe even joy, which some people have a hard time feeling, if you're willing to feel all of that, if you're willing to feel everything, then you can do anything. And that ends up being the key that unlocks all of the knowledge and capability we work so hard to develop. You know, there's that story um, about like where, they, you know, they get a bunch of parents together in an auditorium and they say, raise your hand if you think your kid's above average. And, and invariably, everybody raises their hand. So it makes it nearly impossible. I've seen research that shows from an emotional intelligence standpoint, most people would raise their hand and actually think they're emotionally intelligent. How do people know and how do they find out where they stand in terms of how emotionally courageous they are? 
Well, it's a great question, and I love that example. And I've seen that with drivers. You know, people say like I think eighty-five percent of drivers think they're above-average drivers, which is why you want a lot of safety <laughs> equipment on your car. Right. Um, the the I want to make a distinction in something that you mentioned, which I think is important, which is the difference between emotional courage and emotional intelligence. And, yeah, yeah. And because emotional intelligence is you know is is popularized and and you know the it's a big part of the conversation around emotion. But for the most part, it's one of the most intellectualized, non-feeling conversations I've been a part of, which is that we tend to talk about emotional intelligence in very cognitive ways about what we know and what we see and what we do. But emotional courage is not how much you know about emotions. It's how much you're willing to feel your emotions. And, and that, that's what gets in our way. What gets in our way is our unwillingness to feel emotions. And you're a hundred percent right, Chad. Like mo everybody listening here will say probably like, yeah, I'm pretty willing to feel my emotions. And we don't often know what is stopping us from doing something. Sometimes we're so disconnected from our feelings that we don't even know that we're not feeling them. You know, like the answer is what feelings? Like I don't yeah. have feelings in this, <laughs> right? I'm just doing what needs yeah. to get done. Right. I mean, I hear that a lot. Like this is not about feeling. This is about just getting stuff done. And yet feelings are stopping them from getting things done. And so it's really, you know, I think you're really slow in this, right? Which is to say, first of all, and I was thinking about this the other day, life is hard. Leadership is hard. Like we have to constantly as leaders do things that are hard. We have to have hard conversations. We have to take risks. We have to communicate in the face of the unknown. We have to act in the face of the unknown, in the face of ambiguity. You know, when you're junior in an organization, you just go into an organization, you feel like you don't know anything and you're just trying to figure stuff out and you look up at the top and you figure, I guess they know what they're doing. And then when you actually get to the top of an organization, you realize it's impossible to know what we're doing because we're operating in such an ambiguous environment. And how do we know what's going on with our competitors? And how do we know what's going on really in the industry to some degree that, that and the future is like so unknown that leadership is about taking powerful action in the face of that ambiguity and, and unknown. And that brings up feelings mm -hmm. and and if we're willing to feel that, so I think part of the question you might ask someone is, and here's a question that I love to ask. It's two questions. What are you feeling and where are you feeling it? That feelings are not the same as us. Like in, in English, you say, I am angry. Mm -hmm. In French, the equivalent is I have anger, mm. right? Not I am angry, but I mm. have anger. And and when you begin to be able to see the emotions as separate of you, then you're not, then you're able to take one step away from them a little bit and you, you're not overwhelmed by the emotion. And then you could begin to distinguish and label the emotion. So if you can kind of say, what am I feeling and where am I feeling it? And just take a pause, like slow down a little bit. And in fact, everybody can do it right now who's listening. Just take a minute and take a deep breath. And say, what are you feeling right now? Like, are you excited? Are you bored? Are you engaged? And where do you feel it? Like, where do you feel what you, maybe you just feel hunger. Maybe it's a pure physical sensation. Maybe you feel tired, right? Those are really good places to start. It took me a while to realize that I always overeat when I'm tired. 
Mm. Like I'm not willing to acknowledge, oh, wow, I feel tired. So I just eat. So I get some quick energy. So I don't feel tired anymore. And if I'm really willing to feel that I'm tired because I'm moving so fast and I'm doing so much and if I'm willing to feel that, then I can begin to take powerful action. So what are you feeling and where are you feeling it is a way of beginning to get in touch with kind of this this sense of increasing your emotional courage. And so I appreciate that. And part of my journey around mindfulness, uh, one of the uh, one of the retreats I went to, and I've talked to before on, on the podcast, is is that you would start each day. What are you feeling? And express that to other people. And that's so valuable because people are so detached from that. And I appreciate what you said earlier about. Um, you know, why would I have a feeling about that? Why would I have a connection to that? But everything is connected. So a big part of what you're sharing and a big part of what you want to help people with is for them to really understand who they are. And so uh, knowing who you are is going to give people that step up to be able to understand where there's some gaps where they can make some changes. So what is some of the other steps that somebody could take to kind of understand themselves? Yeah, and the knowing who you are piece, I call it confidence in yourself, is mm. really, really useful. And by confidence, I don't mean arrogance. You know, a lot right. of people are are arrogant. We know them as arrogant, and you kind of think, well, where does that come from? It actually comes. It's not overconfidence. It's underconfidence, right? It's insecurity that we we try to know everything when we're insecure about what we know. When I'm actually competent and comfortable with what I know and what I don't know, when I'm confident then I cannot know something. And it turns out that not knowing things is the birthplace of just about everything. All learning, all connection comes from not knowing things. But we're trained in school to know things, right? We're tested on what we know. But a tremendous amount of power and leadership comes from being willing to not know things and ask questions and discover and find out things. So that's one of the ways that we can get to know ourselves. Just ask yourself the question, Am I really comfortable exposing what I don't know? Like, am I comfortable exposing what I don't know? Yeah. And, and really think about that. And in what situations am I comfortable exposing what I don't know? And in what situations do I really need to be the person who knows everything? And that's a way of getting to know, like, where am I confident and where am I a little less confident? And, and that, really, that really helps, I think, in terms of getting to know yourself. And I love the idea. Uh, uh, it, it is truly about lifelong growth and and continually to to become a better version of, of of who you actually are. And you talk about staying curious about yourself. And one of the pieces you talk about is ask for the feedback that'll actually help you. And what I have found is people sometimes center in on um, something very negative, or they center in on on an area that that's an area of growth, and then they start asking for they start looking for more examples of where they they struggle and fail. How do you kind of get the feedback you need that's actually going to help you grow and not actually put you in a bigger rut or put you deeper down that hole? You know, it's a it's a it's a really great question, and and feedback and asking for feedback is is such a huge element of it, and. And it's, you know, that's also a confidence issue, right? Which is, do I have the confidence to ask someone what they think about how I'm doing, right? And that's one of the ways in which um, we kind of connect with other people. So, so you know, how do you, how do you ask for feedback in a way that helps you connect with other people? But, but, you know, because that's the only way to uncover a blind spot. If you have a blind spot, the only way you're going to uncover it because by definition you don't see it, is right. by asking someone else what they see, right? 
and and you're doing two things there. One is you you need some confidence in order to do that, but you're also building your confidence because you're able to step into that place and say, "Hey, I'd like some help here. Um, I I'd like to get your perspective about." Um, you know, what I'm doing that's working and what I'm doing that's getting in the way, what I'm doing that's getting in your way. And in order to ask that question, you have to really be willing to listen to the answer. So I cannot tell you how many times someone asks me for feedback and I start giving them feedback and they start defending their actions. Yeah. No way, but here's what you don't understand. Like the reason <laughs> I did that was, right. and so this is like the most important thing you can do if you're asking for feedback and you want the answer is shut up. It's just... Be real quiet and just listen to what people are saying. Remember, the power to take that feedback and do something with it is always in your hands. You can always choose to ignore what they say or listen to what they say to change your behavior or stay the way you were acting beforehand. That power always rests with you. But if you want people to share their perspective, which is invaluable, it's a gift, it's such a gift, if someone's willing to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing is happening. And even if they're not particularly skilled at saying it gracefully, mm. the fact that they're willing to share that with you is an unbelievable gift. And, and, and it's, you know, as my friend Marshall Goldsmith always says, like when someone gives you feedback, the only answer is thank you, yeah. right? You can yeah. worry about the other stuff later, but the only answer is thank you. And so to, to, and by the way, if that's how you answer, you encourage other people to give you feedback and you encourage this person to give you feedback again. And they're going to feel more connected to you because you're asking their opinion. You're listening to them. You're trusting them enough to say, hey, help me out here. So it, it serves both, you know, it leverages our confidence in ourselves and it builds it. And it also leverages our connection with others and it builds it. So it's about confidence building as you let off with and really knowing who you are. So how do you, uh, I've used this term before, it may not be the best, but how do you weaponize that? How do you actually take that understanding um, the who you are and, and through inputs of, of awareness and really looking at what you're doing, asking for the feedback, and how do you use that to become what you want to be? What are the first steps? It's great. It's a great, great, great question. And I'm going to like connect all these parts of the book too, Leading with Emotional Courage, because it, it's, you know, all these pieces are connected to each other. I sort of talk about it as the four elements of, of leadership. And you've got this confidence in self, connection to others, commitment to purpose, and emotional courage. And the first thing I would do in that case is to think about what purpose you're committed to. Like, what do you care enough about to devote your life energy to make happen? What are you passionate about? What fits your personality and your capability and, and the direction you want to move in? What are you willing to say no to in order to do this thing, in order to make this thing happen? It's got to be bigger than you. It's not just about you, right? It's bigger. And I know, you know, from conversations I have with Ken, this is such a big part of his life, right? And, and a big part of sort of, you know, how we can act powerfully in the world. What is the thing we're committed to that's bigger than all of us, right? And mm -hmm. if I'm going to be confident in myself and connected to you, what's the larger frame that includes you and me, but that's bigger than each of us and bigger than both of us that we want to make happen? And that's really important to identify, right? To first say, everything I'm doing is for the sake of dot, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, what I call it, the big arrow, right? And I talk about it in the book, it's the big arrow, and that's the kind of work we do in organizations too. It's the big arrow work. So what, you know, for the sake of what big arrow? 
And once you've defined that, now let's come back to the feedback and process the feedback. What am I hearing from this person that that will inform me about what might be getting in the way of my achieving this big arrow, of my moving this purpose forward or solidifying my commitment to my purpose? Now, if they're telling you something like, the colors of your shirts are really bold. Hmm. And I want to give you feedback that that's disturbing to me. So you can listen to that and go like, all right, like maybe I don't care so much about the color of my shirts and I'd rather not wear shirts that are disturbing to somebody. Maybe I actually really like the bold part of my shirt and, and I can say, all right, thank you. And it's like really good to know. And I'll be aware of that. And I kind of like wearing bold shirts and, mm. and that's just kind of a part of who I am. And so I don't want it to get in the way of our relationships, but I don't necessarily want to change something about myself that won't necessarily get in the way of, of us getting to where we're trying to go. So maybe, maybe, you know, being connected to someone else doesn't mean giving yourself up for them, right? People who lack confidence in themselves, but are high in connection to others. We have um, an assessment for each of these four uh, uh, elements, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. confidence in yourself, connection to others, commitment to purpose and emotional courage. And it's not the kind of thing where like a personality assessment where, you know, everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and, and everything's fine. I actually come out more strongly to say, you know, you really want to be strong in all four of these things. You want to have strong confidence. And if you're strongly confident, but disconnected from other people, that comes out as arrogance. And, you know, you leave everybody behind. If you're very connected to other people, but not confident, then you give yourself up for them. And you do everything that you need to in order to please them and you lose yourself in the process. So you need both of those. And by the way, if you're really committed to purpose but not so confident in yourself or connected to others, you lose yourself and them, right, as you drive to burnout to make something happen. Mm -hmm. so, so you do need this balance of strength in, in all four of these. And so if they give you some feedback that is, you know, really critical, if they say, you know, we're all committed to this purpose, we all want to make X, Y, and Z happen – and there's a lot of people who have ideas that um, aren't being heard, and so they're getting disengaged. Wow, that's so valuable. And so it's so valuable because now you know I've got to take this in because this has to do with me, it has to do with them, and it has to do with this purpose that we're being, you know, we're committed to have happen. So I really have to think about how, you know, in what way am I losing people and how do I not lose people? So I think the first thing when you're receiving feedback is, does this impact this purpose that we're all trying to achieve together? And does it impact the way I'm connected to other people? And how do I personally feel about it? We're talking with Peter Bregman, the author of Leading with Emotional Courage. And, and I, I love the book, and you touched on it in, in that answer about how the book is structured. It really helps you with an assessment to see where you are lacking and, and where you have opportunities, growth opportunities. And the, we, we initially were really talking about kind of knowing thyself a little bit more, understanding where you are. Um, but one of the elements you talked about was uh, what, connecting with others. You talked about commit to purpose and then also how to actually cultivate your um, uh, emotional courage. So when you think about connecting with others and when you think about some of the steps that you could take that, that, uh, um, that, that are blind spots for people, what, is, what do you think is one of the most important areas of focus? Is it listening? Is it trust? Is it, is it um, staying connected just uh, personally? What, what is one of the areas that you find from an emotional uh, courage standpoint that, that people should focus on to be better connected? 
I I always think, you know, like in, in some ways, all of those things that you just described are really important. And so I always think, uh, and this is true with developing emotional courage in general, the smallest step that you can take that moves you forward. So what's the first thing? And I would say, if you don't listen to people, you're never going to develop trust with yeah. them. Yeah. And, and so I think the, the, the simplest thing, by the way, which is not easy, you know, just have a conversation with someone who has a different political view than you do to see how right. not easy it is, right? To, to really listen, to create space, to ask a question. And I, I, I have become in love with this one characteristic of people that I really try to cultivate in myself, which is curiosity. Like true curiosity. We all know people who ask questions and listen to figure out what they can say next or to make their point or to listen for understanding of their perspective so that they can drive it forward. And that's not really listening. That's still talking. So the the real question is, can you ask something out of curiosity and really listen with a willingness and a desire and a drive to learn something new? And that to me is the birthplace of all connection. Yeah. You know, can I sit with you? Can I ask a question? Can I listen to the answer? Can I be thoughtful and caring about the way I hold the space of you speaking? And that, you know, when you have that, then you can begin to build trust, right? That's, that's the birthplace of trust. Now, there's other things that you do in order to build trust. One of the things that you do is you follow through on your commitments, right? That builds trust. So if mm -hmm. I listen to you, but then I go back and I do things that are as though I never heard you and I promise something, but then go back on it, I'm going to lose trust. But if I listen to you and I hold that space for you to be you, and by the way, listening to you means I don't have a need for you to be different, Yeah. right? I'm okay with you being different than me, and I don't feel like you're having a different perspective than me threatens my perspective. It's one of the challenges that I'm facing right now in our political climate, which is, yeah. you know, it's it's very hard to be in a conversation where people are listening to each other. It's it's much more normal to be in a conversation where the next person, everybody is trying to get their word in in order to convince everybody else. How many people walk into a conversation with a true desire not to change other people, but to be changed themselves? Yeah. Now, I think that's amazing, right? And I really try to do it, and it's really hard. And it's, it's, um, it doesn't mean you will be changed. It doesn't mean that you are going to change your perspective, but you go in there with a desire. Like, what can I learn here that yeah. might soften my view, that might shift my perspective? And then you're asking with true curiosity – and again, remember, it's it's your perspective. You always have the power to keep it or let it go or shift it or change it. But instead of going into into relationships with an attempt to change the other person, can you go into the relationship with the longing to be changed in a way that helps you grow and continue to blossom? You know, it's one of my favorite things uh, that that Ken has shared uh, in the past, and and you're right. It, the the politics of the of the world right now, the divisiveness is is a great example of of listening. I think that's one of the best ones. And and he had shared something in one of the morning messages. He leaves a morning message for the company every day, no matter where he is in the world. And he had shared something to the effect of, 
you know, you may not agree and you may vehemently, uh, vehemently disagree with, with somebody's stance, but if you can come to every conversation and listen to them with a sense of, well, that is interesting. And whether you agree or disagree, it is interesting to hear how and why people feel a certain way. Um, the world will be a much better place. And so I appreciate that. So we've talked about building your confidence, uh, increasing your connection with others. So now it's time to talk about purpose. So how do you kind of define that purpose and commit to it and, and also, um, you know, really bring your purpose to a day-to-day as it applies to emotional courage? Such an important question because I feel like we are in a time when everybody is so busy, and I know this is true for myself. I'm so busy. It is so easy to get to the end of the day and sort of wipe my forehead and say, wow, I was busy all day. I didn't have a moment, you know, I did not have a moment to, uh, to stop. And yet my most important work didn't get done. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how do we let that happen? And I let that happen. How do I let that happen? And it's because, you know, we have this never ending stream of incoming messages and requests and questions and, and, you know, it's very satisfying to have an empty inbox and I'm kind of yeah. a proponent of an empty inbox. But it's but what we don't have is a filter, right? What we don't have is a filter to say, what am I going to spend time on? What am I not going to spend time on? And the strongest leaders I know have the crispest and most powerful filters. They know what should get past their filters so that they spend time on and they know what not to spend time on. And some of it is delegating and some of it is ignoring. It's very hard. There's not an email that comes in that I don't answer. And, and I do that because I, I actually care about the people who are emailing me. And I think if they take time to email me, I want to really be able to respond. But I also wonder whether that's actually a useful way to spend my time. Like I, I, I do it instead of social media. I don't spend time, you know, I'm on social media a little bit to post some things here and there, but I spend very, very little time on social media. Um, and, and it's like, and I don't know that I'm right, by the way, to mm-hmm. respond to every email, you know, like I kind of really like, it matters to me that I'm a good guy. And so I really want to be able to do it. But yeah. then I think, you know, th- there's three or four things that are critically important to me. And, and, and every email that I do, every conversation that I have that doesn't, that doesn't drive that thing forward is, uh, you know, is, is diluting the impact that I can have on the thing that's most important to me. So, I mean, the first thing to committing to purpose is understanding what your purpose is. And, and here's the thing, I've run workshops on it. I've talked about it. You know, there's a lot of information in my book, but here's how easy it is. Spend 30 seconds, no more, and just write down what you care most about. Hmm. Right. And, and in 30 seconds, you'll have a pretty good draft of what your purpose is. And you could do it in your work life, separate from your family life and your personal life if you want to. You know, but if you're if you're really focusing on leadership in your work life to ask the question, what's most important that I achieve over the next 12 months? And and, you know, it'll force you to make some decisions and, and understanding what that purpose is, is the most important thing that allows you to then do the next most important thing, which is using it as a filter to decide what you're going to spend time on and what you're not. So we've got time for just a couple more questions. And so, um, a big part of this book and one of the promises is, is that you can actually kind of role model this, right? And you can actually kind of cultivate the, just like you can, and, and you made a great, uh, um, clarification on the difference between emotional intelligence and, and emotional courage. 
how do you cultivate uh, emotional courage, uh, both at, in the workplace, uh, where, places where you lead, at home? What's one of the first steps that you would recommend for people to, and is, is it as simple as just walking the talk and acting the right ways? Well, simple is always is not always easy. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it is in some ways, but it's not it's not always that easy. And you know, the the first thing you have to do is to recognize when you're not wanting to feel something, when your lack of emotional courage is getting in the way of your doing something important. Just noticing that is really really critical. Is really really powerful, and then. Being able to say, so what is what would I have to feel in order to follow through on this? And I always think it's a great idea to take baby steps, to do little things. Like here's an easy one. Find someone in your life who you really want to say, you know, I'm really grateful to you for something. Or I really love you. Or I, I'd like to ask your forgiveness for something. And and or I want to apologize for something that I did. Like one of those four things. Think about it as like love, forgiveness, repentance, and gratitude. Right? One of those four things. Right. And find someone today to to express your love, uh, forgiveness, or ask forgiveness, repentance, and gratitude. Just one of those things. And that's going to take emotional courage. But in some ways, it's the easiest kind of emotional courage. I, I'm not saying it's easy, but it, you're not asking anything of the other person. So it's the easiest for the other person to receive in some ways because you're not asking them to do anything. You're not requiring anything of them. What you're doing is you're making a move to say, this might feel really hard, but I'm going to go to someone today who I love and I'm going to tell them that I love them. Or I'm going to go to someone today who I appreciate, and I'm going to tell them that I appreciate them. That takes emotional courage. And go slowly enough to feel everything you feel. Even as I'm suggesting it right now, what are you feeling? Like as you're listening to me and you're thinking, everybody, everybody who's listening to this, bring someone to mind. Yeah. And maybe if you want to challenge yourself, bring someone with whom it would not be easy to either say, I love you. I forgive you. Please forgive me. And, and, uh, and I'm thankful. Thank you. Right? Like to, to, to think about someone and even as you just listen to me and think about that person, what are you feeling and where are you feeling it? And then follow through on it today. Sometime do it, go to that person and, and follow through and go slowly enough that before you say something to them, even before you pick up the phone or you walk into the room or you come up to them and say, can I have a moment? Uh, notice what you're feeling. Notice if you feel anxiety, if you feel butterflies. Notice where you feel it. And then follow through again and then notice how you feel. And don't require a response. They don't have to respond. You're just doing it in order to share this important thing with them and, and let the experience stand on its own. And don't ask something of them separate from that. And that's a great way to begin to build your emotional courage in a way that also builds your confidence, connection, and ultimately commitment to purpose. Yeah, the two things that I heard there that I, that I really appreciate is one is the awareness, right? Being very clear on what's acceptable, what's not, not, not acceptable. So when you run through that stop sign, you actually are aware that you're doing it and you're making that choice. And then the other one is so valuable. 
you know, there are so many work connections, maybe personal connections that we've all kind of decided to keep it at arm's length because of some maybe distrustful uh, situations or there's some anger, or there's some pent up frustration. And what you're saying is, hey, run right through that wall um, gently, um, but but it's going to feel better when you actually take that armor off or take that weight off your shoulders. I so appreciate that. So, so Peter, I appreciate the book. Uh, I uh, it's it's such a great read, um, and it's it's also very. Um, actionable as you can kind of go through. You can understand more about yourself and, and different pieces that, that, uh, that steps you can take. So if I could ask you, just leave you with just one question. What is the one thing from all your research and your learnings, the one thing from this book that you really want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Take risks for what's important to you. So no, no, be aware of what's important to you and and take the risks, whether it's saying what I just said to someone who you care about or you're you're repentant with or you're thankful for, um, or whether it's asking someone to move forward on something that's important, whatever it is, take risks. And when you when I say take risks, as soon as you go into the realm of risk, it means you're gonna end up feeling something. So you will need the emotional courage and you'll be building your emotional courage when you do. Take a risk today to follow through on something that's important to you. I appreciate that. Wise words. Peter Bregman, author of Leading with Emotional Courage, thank you so much. Uh, If people wanted to dig a little bit deeper beyond picking up the book, what else, uh, where would you send them if they wanted to learn a little bit more about you and and your work? Best place to go is bregmanpartners.com, www.b-r-e-g-m-a-n-p-a-r-t-n-e-r-s.com. Excellent. Peter, thank you so much for being a part of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Chad, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, I really appreciated your interview with Peter Bregman on his book, Leading with Emotional Courage. You know, he didn't talk much about the subtitle, but listen to this. How to have hard conversations, create accountability, and inspire action in your most important work. Now, that's pretty amazing. But what I love about what Peter's talking about here is it all starts with yourself. I've experienced working with top managers and all. The ones that are a real problem are really scared little kids uh, inside. And as a result, they act like a big deal. You know, and then they don't don't want to have conversations with people. They don't want to develop relationships. They, you know, this aren't going to share, you know, courageously or do any of those things because they're protecting themselves. And, and uh, you know, uh, Thomas Harris years ago wrote, I'm okay, you're okay. He said, the worst life position is I'm okay, you're not. And that's the life position I'm talking about. And he said, all the research shows that they, they're coming from not okay feelings about yourself. And so I love that Peter starts off with build your confidence, you know, 
know your know who you are and become who you are. And if you get really comfortable in your own skin, then you're able to connect with other people uh, and have important conversations and build trust. And then if you feel good about yourself, you're also able to stay on purpose, you know, and uh, and focus your energy and all. And then also, if you're really feeling confident about yourself and with who you are, you're able to cultivate courage. Uh, and uh, that is really important, you know, and, and you're going to be able to think courageously and, and all those kinds of things. And so uh, I think this is a fabulous book, and I think that uh, a lot of you ought to really get into the, the content of this because he really is very practical in the way he goes at things. But remember, it all starts with you, with building your confidence in who you are and becoming who you are and just being being comfortable in that skin. And then you can do so many things because you don't have to prove yourself because you really feel about yourself. I remember Jim Collins said, we're uh, resolved, determination to accomplish a goal, live according to a vision, and humility. And he couldn't understand how could humility uh, be uh, a great, uh, you know, strength. And because a lot of people think it isn't. But C.S. Lewis, I think, said years ago, people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And you build confidence that's who you are. And so thanks, Peter, for reminding us, you know, to really uh, lead with emotional courage. And it starts on the inside with ourselves. God bless.